You're listening to Track, Map, Measure with host Sean McIntosh, covering the latest thought leaders and technology in construction to understand what is building the world around us. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Track, Map, Measure. I'm your host, Sean McIntosh. And since this is your first time joining, I wanted to provide a quick background on myself. I'm currently a worksite solutions engineer at Propeller Arrow which is a 3D mapping and data analytics company working with the construction, aggregates, mining, and waste industries to help them better track their work sites. I've been working in these industries in a variety of roles for the past four years, and I'm now using those hands-on experience to bring leaders in the space along with some of today's most pertinent topics. In today's episode, I'm joined by my colleague Matt Gendron, an account executive for the Northeastern US, who spent the last three years implementing drone hardware and software into some of America's biggest earth movers. We'll be covering the subject of LiDAR versus photogrammetry for the application of site surveys. So we hope you stick around to listen. Well, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me this morning, Sean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think just to give a little bit of background for the listeners and why we decided to do the topic for today, um, do you want to give me a little bit of your experience and, and background and you know, it's essentially just what, what spurred on this conversation? Definitely, yeah. Well, I'm working with a lot of customers in the Northeast of the US right now. And they're always asking about the difference between LIDAR surveys with the drone and photogrammetry surveys and, and when to apply either one. And I think a big problem that we always run into in the Northeast is lots of trees on site. When a contractor first gets out there, they haven't cleared it yet. They've got heavy vegetation and they just want to get the existing ground. So it's, it's something I run into a lot and I know you know, there's some misconceptions out there and people don't consider all the factors that you know you need to consider because a drone survey is so much different than a traditional. Right, right. And so would you say that the, the reason that the contractors are trying to survey before the project started, is it um, like, what, what would be the main driving factor for that? Are they trying to have a better understanding of what's out there? Just help me to understand, I guess, you know, why they need that survey so early on. Yeah, for these site work contractors, it's really about understanding existing conditions out there. Um, for a lot of them, when they when they win a bid, they win a project, those existing conditions are off. They don't actually match what's out there. And what that means to that site work contractor is they're going to end up moving more dirt than, than they initially bid. Um, so if they can get out there and get an existing ground topo that's more accurate, that means they could actually go to the project owner and say, you know, I know we bid 10,000 cubic yards to move, but it's actually 15 and we should get paid on 15, which can be a huge difference in the long run. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big thing. I mean, people are just really trying to understand what's out there on site. Right, right. No, and I can say I've seen that too pretty consistently across the the customers that I work with. And, and so what do you think some of the uh, common misconceptions are around both photogrammetry and LIDAR? Like what, what are the hangups that they see and, you know, where can maybe we help turn over some stones and just, you know, answer some question for the, the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I mean, one is definitely on accuracy. I think people hear LIDAR surveying and they immediately think centimeter, sub-centimeter accuracy. And when you're bringing a drone into the equation, like there's definitely more challenges. And I know, Sean, with your background in, in photogrammetry um, and GIS, you, you can probably explain some of the, the challenges a little bit better than I can. But what, I mean, what are some of the factors that people don't consider with a, a drone LIDAR survey versus, you know, a mobile mapping survey, let's say? Yeah. Yep. 
Well, I, I think it's easy enough to just dismiss things as being sorted out. But, you know, as an educated consumer, I think it's always good to just be educated on the subject before you go shopping for any of these units or even before you hire a consultant. Um, from what I've seen with uh, at least most LIDAR units available, like it, it still takes a pretty high level of expertise to operate these and make sure that everything's calibrated correctly. Um, and I, I guess just some of the things to consider, you know, if you are considering going out and purchasing a drone, um, you know, you need to look at the error caused by the position of the drone itself. So making sure that the GPS that's on board that drone is going to know where it's at with a really high degree of accuracy. Because, you know, right off the bat, if we don't know where that drone is on an X, Y, and Z axis, you know, to a very high degree of accuracy, it's, it's going to be really hard to calculate the positional swath and return to that response. So that's, that's probably like the one that we should watch out for the most is how are we ensuring the accuracy of the drone? And that could be through real-time kinematics where we actually have the drone communicating with the base, or we could do some, some form of PPK or post-processing. But, you know, making sure that you you know everything about that. Definitely. Yeah. And just jumping back a little bit for those uh, for those people out there who aren't as familiar with LIDAR serving. What, what do you mean by swath and, and, you know, how the drone actually is collecting those points in the air? Yeah, no, that's a great question, too. Um, so essentially what LIDAR is, it's it's light detection and ranging is what that stands for. So. It, the sensor itself is sending out rapid pulses of the sensor. It's, it's really like sending out a rapid pulse of a laser beam. Um, and it's, it's almost like painting a canvas with a brush. So that sensor is sweeping like left to right to, to just keep it simply the whole time it's flying. So as the drone moves its momentum forward, it's, it's sweeping back left and right. And really how we're building the surface is it's measuring the response rate. So from the time that the, the sensor itself sh shoots out the beam, you know, how long does that take to return to the sensor? And then, you know, we can start to almost paint the picture with that brush of what the ground looks like or what the top of the canopy, whatever, whatever it's bouncing off of is what we're going to get in a, a measured response. So when you say top of the canopy, I mean, just talking about uh, those heavily vegetated sites right off the bat, can those LIDAR swaths basically go through the, the canopy? Can you get the ground underneath those vegetated areas? So I think uh, that's kind of a common misconception um, and, and, you know, lots of people think this way, but for the most part, unless it's really thin vegetation, that pulse is not actually going to break through to ground level where we are getting ground strikes is when it can make its way through. So this, this swath that we're talking about, this like painted brush, I mean, it is sending out just thousands and thousands of these. So every once in a while because it's such such a dense swath it is pushing through leaves and trees to actually get you a, a ground strike so i mean if, if you're thinking kind of this you know if you're picturing it in your brain how this is going to return back you might not be getting that many points represented on the ground if it's really dense you know maybe you're getting one that finds its way through every couple of feet maybe even less than that depending on how dense it is and, you know, now because not only have we like chanced it breaking through the canopy, but we have to make sure that that same response is going to come back up on the reflection. So that's another error that we see, you know, quite commonly in, in photogrammetry is even once we get the, repul the pulse back from the ground, you know, it's, it's bounced off things. It, it's come back. So 
you might not be getting as accurate of an elevation below the canopy as as you know people may think and you know i have seen that consistently in data sets that i've processed um, ones i've cleaned up and checked and then you know and furthermore with with customers that we've worked with where when they finally stripped the ground they went out and they took their series of check shots you know the the surface ended up not being incredibly accurate and again it's just because of you know how much reflection is is happening with that vegetation so it's it, it can be tough either way yeah i've definitely seen that too i one contractor i work with in pennsylvania they mostly do site work and uh, did a lidar survey and once they got out there after the site was cleared there is there was big differences because they just weren't able to get an accurate snapshot of that ground underneath the canopy with the lidar um, which definitely i mean it's a big challenge for sure so it's something to look out for. Um, what I've seen some success with is using combinations of surveys, um, using you know, a drone photogrammetry survey, and then actually going out there with a rover or total station and, and taking some shots under the canopy um, yourself and just double checking that. And yeah, using combinations of surveys can be a good workaround, I think, Sean. And uh, yeah. Have you seen that much in your area as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, whatever method of surveying that you're doing, photogrammetry, LIDAR, total station, it's always good to have checks in place, right? There's in every single survey instrument out there, there is some plus or minus tolerance, some variance that you're going to see. So, um, you know, if you really want to be able to check and double check what's being done, you know, there needs to be some form of redundancy in in place of you know a, a second source for capturing data out there. So with lidar, it's going to be tough over vegetation because the reason you're choosing lidar for surveying over heavily vegetated areas is because most other survey instruments are not going to work for you. It's it's going to be too tough. So it, it it's a really tough area. Um, and, and I don't really know what the, the ultimate solution is for this today because it, it just doesn't seem like there's any solid thing in place. So, you know, again, as that consumer. Mm -hmm. there, I don't think there's one size fits all for these these projects, right? And it's kind of knowing when to use which tool. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and so we talked a little bit about, I mean, some of the challenges with photogrammetry some, or with uh, LiDAR and some of the misconceptions, when would you use a LIDAR survey? When, when do you think the best opportunity to use one is? Well, uh, I think so, so far we've been talking really drone based LIDAR. So your, your aerial LIDAR, um, I think LIDAR has some fantastic applications, uh, for terrestrial scanning. So what we mean by that is you've got it mounted on a tripod. It's, it's the same concept, except oftentimes the uh, terrestrial scanner will actually not just oscillate on a left to right, but it'll almost go on a 360 axis ca capturing all around. For people who are looking to do, you know, incredibly quick volumes of piles, or maybe they've got, uh, you know, stockyards that are in covered buildings, LIDAR is going to be great for that. It's it's going to give you a, a point cloud almost in near real time. You download that, you drop it into another, say, CAD software or something that you can do your volumetrics in, and it's it's going to be a little bit quicker. So I think LIDAR has a place on the ground still. It's, it's I mean, it's it's got a place for scanning indoor buildings if you're trying to do BIM modeling things. 
Um, I mean, LiDAR is even what the Tesla self-driving cars are using. They've got those same LiDAR sensors on, you know, the, the front and back bumpers to gauge the distance of the vehicles ahead and behind. So I think LiDAR has got a, a long way to come um, before it gets to the point that, you know, the consumers can pick it up as easy as they can pick up photogrammetry and get exactly what they're after. But with all that being said, I do think that there's... Um, you know, a lot of pros to photogrammetry today, you know, that um, really match. And I guess I can, I can turn this question over to you, Matt, like what, what percentage um, of customers do you see using LIDAR versus photogrammetry? Yeah, right now I would say it's probably 90%, 95% photogrammetry with the remainder being LIDAR. And really, I mean, the, the biggest thing that we're seeing right now is the price point, right? where a lot of people, they would ideally want to get a LiDAR unit, but the, the price is just not there yet. It hasn't come down a lot. And then for photogrammetry, we've really seen the opposite problem. Over the last few years, the price of survey-grade accurate photogrammetry drones has come down to you know a reasonable price where construction contractors, aggregate companies can bring one of these drones in-house, can actually bring you know a tenth of a foot, three-centimeter accurate drone and actually use it in uh for themselves and i think the other piece of that too is how easy it is to use and bring on you know we've seen people who have never flown a drone before start flying within two to three weeks and getting these surveys back uh and the the f full workflow of getting an accurate model for photogrammetry has just gotten easier and easier over the last couple of years yeah yeah 100 percent. and and the software is to be able to process the data and actually do the you know, physical form of stitching has really come a long way, you know, and there's cloud-based processing, there's desktop, you know, there's a lot of different options for that. But, you know, in, when I was being trained in school, you know, it was all desktop. It was really understanding kind of like the core principles of photogrammetry. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people want to, to take that on and, and learn, you know, the, the basics of that. So there's, a lot of really great cloud options for those people who just want to, you know, go from data collection in the field, you know, verifying the accuracy to finished product. And they don't really care about the in-between uh, so long as, you know, they've supplied good ingredients, put it in the oven, and now you just make sure that it stays at, at 400 until the, the cake is baked. Yeah, there's. I think there's a few other reasons why we see people gravitating, gravitating to photogrammetry. I mean, ease of use, price, those are pretty huge. But the finished product is very clean. Um, it's you're getting a whole site orthomosaic, and what I mean by orthomosaic is you're basically getting a top-down view with that you've just captured of your site, um, and underlying that is is going to be your 3D model. So you're not having people needing to interpret interpolate, you know, um, contours triangulated meshes and, and really see where things are at it's 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 a picture of your site and underneath that picture is it so it's it's like walking through a virtual twin and i mean you matt you stepped into this you know i think you've been doing this now two and a half almost three years where you've been you know part of this technology and but prior to that i mean your background's not in photogrammetry how have you found the learning curve and picking it all up yeah it, it is it's not a steep learning curve it you can pick it up really quickly. And I think, you know, having some cloud processing options is definitely a big part of that. And also being able to trust the data. When I when I see some of my customers who are first getting into it, 
you know, it's a lot of construction companies who uh, someone has that background in surveying, but they haven't done photogrammetry surveying yet. So they'll put in a lot of checkpoints, you know, when, and what I mean by checkpoints is when the drone's actually up in the air, they're going out and they're shooting points on the ground to verify how accurate that drone survey is after the fact. Um, and I think that's a big piece of it where, you know, people just need to get to a certain trust level with the data before they can, you know, get pay quantities on it, before they can really verify what's out there on site. Um, so I think that's a big piece too, is just making sure that you're putting in the proper accuracy checks up front. And then it, it's funny over, you know, the first three, four months people are using it, you see less and less check shots being used. They're still shooting in a few to verify, but um, yeah, it comes down pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the great thing is, is, you know, the, the turnaround speed has just gotten better and better and that's better too. with that. So say that you've gone out and you've captured your data, you know, maybe you've done it just at the, as you're wrapping up the day. I mean, you're, you're viewing that data for breakfast the next morning. So if there was something that you, you know, didn't like about the cake that was produced, right. You can just go back and, and take more check shots. If you saw, saw something that you didn't expect to be there, you know, maybe extra quantities, you know, that you've got the data back so quickly that then you can go add in those check shots after the fact and basically right. go verify the data that was produced. And, and that's why I think kind of what I was mentioning earlier, making sure you know when to use which tool. Uh, the drone is great for getting out and getting a, a quick topo. So basically, you know, just going out, taking 30 minutes out on site and getting all this data back. But if you have something out on site that you do need, you know, sub-centimeter accuracy, that's when you can go back and check it. Or maybe the drone survey missed an area of the site where there is he a heavy canopy and you can go out and just verify. Um, but it it's acting as a really good sanity check for people where, you know, before customers and, and contractors, they're either not doing full site topos or they're walking, you know, 25, 50 foot grids and just not getting a great idea of what the ground is out there. Um, so yeah, I think the flexibility and ease of use is just, it's got a lot easier in the last few years. So especially in comparison to where we're at with LIDAR right now. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, with all that, you know, positive things being said about photogrammetry, you know, and where it's at today for the, you know, the accuracy and, and the price and ease of use, um, some things you want to be wary of with photogrammetry, it is not going to be able to give you any ground points like LIDAR can today. So flying over canopy, it's going to pick up the top of the elevations and, you know, maybe for those listeners we have on the, the phone, some are still kind of curious about what photogrammetry is. Um, you know, it's, it's basically we're doing camera-based surveys. So we calculate the exact position of the drone in the air, that X, Y, and Z, just like we're doing with the LiDAR unit. Um, except when it takes its picture, we're looking to um, accurately represent that exact photo center so that we can build out the model from any adjacent images. So that might, that might've been more confusing than, than if you just went with your pre-existing knowledge, but because it's camera based surveying, we're taking images of the site and stitching all that together. And by the time we get three or more reference points, we've got the third elevation. We're basically just capturing the tops of things. So, you know, over canopies, um, it's going to give you only elevations on the top of trees. Now, if it's small bushes, you can do exactly what any surveyor would do on the ground and you can take points around the edge of the thing and flatten it. But 
um, you know, don't expect it to be good over vegetation. Like we said earlier, vegetation continues to be a challenge for any form of surveying, you know, in LIDAR probably is your best bet, although very expensive. Um, some things to consider when, uh, you know, shopping for a drone, um, first and foremost, uh, I think if you've got $50,000 to spend, someone's going to find you a $50,000 drone. So don't think that expensive is better. We've, we're seeing lots of really awesome um, and accurate solutions come on the market at a much, much lower price point, you know, a fifth of that cost and are producing really great results. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the time with the more expensive drone, you're also purchasing complexity. So you know, those, those more expensive $40,000, $50,000 drones are great for specialized engineering firms. But if you're talking about your average site work contractor, I feel like you shouldn't be looking even over the ten dollars $15,000 mark. You should be able to find a drone under that. That's going to be accurate for what you need. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, if you want to start shopping, there's tons of forums online, tons of really solid resources to check into this. Um, but same things you want to look out for. You want to look out for the, um, you know, how are is the images in the drone position being corrected? Um, given that the price point is so low to get into these, like look for an RTK or PPK enabled drone. Um, you know, your RTK real-time kinematics, it's being corrected on the fly. Um, PPK is post-processing. It's done after the fact. I've actually seen this to be a lot more robust and, um, actually more accurate because we don't have to worry about finding the exact position of a drone that's moving 20 feet per second. So, you know, RTK for, you know, a grade rod when they're standing there taking their static shot for 40 seconds, they can get a really accurate reading, but, you know, the drone position might not be as good. So PPK as it stands today seems to be a bit more accurate. Um, but you also want to look at the, uh, you know, the, the accuracy of the actual sensor itself. So because it's camera based, we want to make sure we've got a really, you know, um, crystal clear camera sensor that's on there. I'd say 20 megapixel will be a great place to start at 20 megapixel. will give you, you know, an inch or so of GSD at flying at 300 feet. So that means when you're flying at 300 feet above your site, you're going to complete the site fly over really quickly and have a really high resolution image of your site. And if you've got a high resolution image, you've got a high resolution surface to follow that. Um, there's no error to be caused by reflection of the LIDAR pulse. We're not actually doing that, um, which also helps photogrammetry be a little bit more robust today. Um, you know, essentially we've got a bunch of independent images that all overlap each other a certain amount. So we can really help to omit other sources of error. So even if the position of one image isn't great, um, you know, we can kind of offset that with the 70% of the side images that are taken around it. So, I mean, there's lots of pros and cons to jump into. Um, the best place I, I would direct you to um, is, is the internet. <laughs> if, if you want to start searching um, drones for either LIDAR or photogrammetry, I mean, start hammering in those buzzwords, start looking for um, PPK, photogrammetry, processing software, a combination of those. You know, once you get a little bit of info on hand, you'll then, you know, start to be able to understand, well, for my workflow, uh, do I want to lean towards cloud processing where I'm not as concerned about being able to twist and turn the knobs, 
you know, of the oven while the images are all baking together? Or would I, you know, rather sit in front of my computer and, you know, twist those knobs? It's, it's going to be up to you. It's going to be a matter of time savings, cost savings. There'll be advantages to, to, to both. But, you know, for a lot of the people that Matt and I work with, um, you know, we are seeing them move towards cloud processing because the next big thing that you'll you'll come and, and find yourself running into, whether it's LIDAR or photogrammetry, is big data. Um, you're going to have these massive, massive files of your site, huge point clouds, huge ortho mosaics. So at least with the cloud processing, they're on the cloud, meaning you can access them from a desktop. You can choose what files to pull down. You're not always working with the biggest. And best of all, being on the cloud, it's, it's going to democratize that data. So whatever you've gone and captured of your site, share it, share it to the site super, share it to the project owner, right? Share it internally. You're, you're going to be able to just send a link rather than having to zip a folder, put it on your Google Drive, share the Google Drive link to them. They're going to have to download it and have their own software to open it. So, you know, the, the data is going to be huge from this LIDAR or photogrammetry. It's, it's just, it's just big data and, and that's good. We should welcome big data. It's, it's more information, um, which is always a good thing. More data uh, will just help you drive better decisions. Definitely. Yeah. And just being able to have access to that data, right. Where I think, a lot of the times people get into it, they're looking for, people want more data, but they want the answers to bubble to the top. And a lot of the cloud-based processing tools out there, they'll give you those tools to help do cut fills quickly, grab stockpiles where you're not having to pull it into AutoCAD, run your own measurements, edit the data. Um, it's really difficult to get quick answers if you're owning the entire process end to end. We see a lot of engineering firms and surveying companies leaning that way. But when it comes to the average construction contractor or aggregate contractor, I think a lot of time they're looking to outsource the processing so that they can get their answers quicker about what's going on on site. So Matt, I think we're probably going to wrap it up there. But for the listeners, thanks for joining the first episode. I, I hope it was smooth and, and seamless. We'll... Uh, drop a bit of info in the uh, show notes. So including contact info for Matt and myself. If you do have questions on anything we covered today, please feel free to reach out and we'd be happy to answer those. Yeah. And, and one thing I can mention too, if you would like to, to speak to local contractors, uh, especially for me in the Northeast that have been using that this technology, I'm happy to make those introductions. Just over the last three years, made a lot of contacts who you know, have been flying drones, have gone through the full end-to-end -end, never flying before to now flying almost every day. And I'm happy to make those introductions for them to talk to you about what were some of their challenges, what were the, the hurdles, the roadblocks. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out and I can definitely make introductions. Perfect. Well, Matt, thanks again. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Sean.